Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing on this glorious day? Welcome to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. You all know who I am, so there's no need for me to introduce myself. But ladies and gentlemen, I honestly have been fighting the urge to give my thoughts on what we saw at the All Elite Wrestling New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door 2023 because damn it, it was one hell of a show. As a matter of fact, I think that the show was so good that I can proudly declare this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I call professional wrestling. Let me say it again. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what I call professional wrestling. Because the car could not have been so stacked up so high. I had never probably seen, and in my entire life, I had never seen a pro wrestling car be so freaking unique. Unbelievable. The working relationship between AEW and New Japan, honestly, I think that in the bright future ahead of us, in the foreseeable future, that the, the relationship could only take things to the next level. And I really honestly hope that the AEW can, you know, reform relationships, hopefully with Impact Wrestling, if it hasn't yet. Hopefully Major League Wrestling as well. So, you know, AEW is just really not perfect, but I'm telling you, Tony Khan, I mean, you, you can just tell, like, he's really taking those chances. He's really, he's really trying to make... AEW, AEW, just such a major global pro wrestling promotion, and I think that he is making progress, and we'll have to see how, wait and see how things turn out in the future. But I gotta tell you, this this whole show now, unfortunately, I mean, I, I watched as much as many highlights as I could. You know, I, I could not catch the show itself, but based on the reaction on Twitter from from wrestling fans and and all the wrestling fans that I've spoken to. Nothing just but pure gratefulness from them. I mean, they're just so grateful that they were that they actually got to see an amazing wrestling pay-per-view. As a matter of fact, I believe this was AEW's first ever pay-per-view show outside of the United States. So this was because this was in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I'm not entirely sure if New Japan ever actually did a show in in uh, Canada as well. So, but you gotta keep in mind, there's always there's always uh, it's always worth trying something new, so, you know, and, and they really did it, so, this was actually, I believe, and I also, as a matter of fact, I should mention that this was actually, like, I, I, this was in the Air Canada Center, this was, like, the, the first time, like, for a long, it, well, Forbidden Door was basically the first non-WB pay-per-view to take place at the Air Canada Center since 1999, when WCW had their Mayhem show there, so, yeah. So yeah, I was actually right. This was AEW's first pay-per-view to take place outside of the USA, and this was New Japan Pro Wrestling's first traditional pay-per-view to take place in Canada. So, a first time for everything, and I think the show, you know, went absolutely amazing. So, so going through the uh, uh, the car right there, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, you, you look at the lineup, you know, and, and the main event, but Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. The IWGP United States uh, Heavyweight Championship, Sting, Darby Allen, and oh man, you, you see, I, I'm already losing my focus. And of course, Naito 
who was you know re, who had recently been revealed as, as the mystery third partner for for um, Darby Allen and Sting. So you know to go against uh, Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara, CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima, and the Owen in a first round uh, Owen Hart you know Cup uh, tournament, the men's Owen Hart Cup tournament. I mean the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite. You know, uh, again, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I, I'm not—I don't even think I, I can even go through every single match because it would take—it would take all goddamn day. But there's only there's definitely some things I really will have to actually go through. I will have to go through. So first things first, you know, in the pre-show. Well, I should mention that Tom Lawler, who was in this uh, card, he was originally supposed to work a match with Adam Cole. But I heard that Adam Cole actually came down with an undisclosed illness and was actually not medically clear to compete. So, but Tom Lawler did actually end up uh, working anyway. He ended up working a match with uh, Serpentico, which was you know in, in a, I think in the uh, in the pre it's pre show excuse me, which he won. The match was a little over four minutes. So, um, I think originally Adam Cole was to go against MJF, but you know we all kind of about that. So. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that MJF and Adam Cole are uh, definitely not finished yet. So, but one match in the pre-show that I really, I really want to talk about, and the one that I probably only will talk about, is the Mogul Embassy versus Chaos. The whole concept with the Mogul Embassy is honestly one, one of the most exciting things ever. I mean, I, I'm not, I gotta tell you, Swerve Strickland is honestly one of the greatest wrestlers I've seen, you know, in my in my adult life. You know, I've seen what he, I've seen some of the stuff he did in Lucha Underground, Major League Wrestling, and of course he, he was with WWE from 2019 to 2021 before he went to All Elite Wrestling. And I'll never forget when I was at the Major League Wrestling Intimidation Games in March of last year, along with my good buddy Chris, Swerve Strickland actually worked a match with Myron Reed for the MLW World Middleweight Heavyweight Championship, so, and, and what was one hell of a match, you know. You know, from what he did, you know, WWE at NXT under the name Isaiah Swerve Scott, you know, things, you know, went in incredibly well. And I'm sure hopefully things could have definitely gotten better. But, you know, and Swerve Strickland, you know, teaming up with Keith Lee as Swerve in Our Glory. I mean, Swerve in Our Glory, to be honest, is just one of the coolest names I've ever seen, you know, for a tag team. I mean, they were the AEW Tag Team Champions. And then I believe, you know, they, they, lost, uh, they lost the titles to, to the Acclaimed. And then, you know, that, that rematch at Dynamite Grand Slam, and then they lost to them at full gear. You know, Keith Lee basically had a chance of using the chair, but didn't. And then sort of Strickland, you know, slapped him. So Strickland, you know, ended up turning heel while Keith Lee remained a face. So, and now that he's with a, he's with a stable known as, you know, at first it was known as the Mogul Affiliates, but then it became the Mogul Embassy. And I really, I really just absolutely love the name Mogul Embassy, but seeing as how the, the match went, you know, just the way these eight-man these eight-man tag team matches go. I mean, you just know it's an all-out war with you know both sides. You know, just getting big in the action, and then the crowd really getting pumped up. I mean, the crowd was into it. And when a match like this gets the crowd into it, when it's the pre-show, it absolutely increases the excitement. You know, for the show itself. But but you know, honestly, the Mo Glamisi picking up the win with Swerve, you know, actually, you know, getting the the pin, uh, pinning uh, to get the win. I mean, the match, according to a Bleacher Report, they actually graded the match a B minus. You know, I'd probably just give it a B plus, you know, because because the crowd was so in it. But 
But but it basically just kind of went exactly the way you would expect an eight-man tag team match to go. But but from what I see from Mogul Embassy, I mean, I I just think I mean the name is cool because I always say like when it comes to a tag team or a stable, the name has to be catchy. It has it has to basically work. And you know and the Mogul Embassy, I just think that it's absolutely cool. I mean imagine this Mogul Embassy versus Chaos. You know. <laughs> That right there is in basically the territory of a blockbuster match right there. I mean, you think about it. The Mogul Embassy versus Chaos. <laughs> How could you not be excited? I mean, those two names match. But moving on, jumping up to Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Well, I'm not surprised clearly that M MJF won. You know, but for ta for Tanahashi, you know, the you know, you know the, the way that the the match ended, of course, you know, MJF, you know, of course, using you know the dynamite, you know, his dynamite ring, you know, to get the win, the dynamite di diamond ring, you know, to get the win. It's just, I just don't, I I just don't really like it when things end like this. But you know, MJF being the heel that he is, I mean, that that's just the way it goes. You know, and for Tanahashi, this was actually the second time that he has challenged for the AEW title. I mean, he challenged John Moxley uh, last year as well. So, you know, and MJF did a, did a phenomenal job, you know, working the crowd to garner the heat and everything. But, you know, of course, you know, MJF, the way he would sell in the match and everything. You know, so, so MJF did his part. Now, I, I spoke to uh, one of my listeners of the show, and, and he honestly believes in his... He honestly believes that MJF should have won cleanly. Well, I think that's certainly arguable, but it's certainly um, something. Well, it's another discussion for another time, I should say. But you know, MJF you know, at one point in the match when he was taunting Tanahashi by mocking him and everything, so MJF was working the crowd. I mean, MJF was doing his job to the best of his ability. Now. I'm sure the match could have gone a different way than the way it did, especially the finish, but... Now, this is definitely not the match of the night, but... You know, and everybody, you know, mentioning that... You know, at one point when Tanahashi had MJF, you know, in, in a Dragon Screw uh, submission, like the, clo the Cloverleaf... MJF was able to, you know, get, get to the rope, and then not long after that, I think the match ended, but... But honestly, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have been telling me that they're... Honestly, they feel like MJF's title reign excuse me, has gotten stale, and that he should win the title pretty soon. I mean, I, I really don't think he's going to win the title until until next year. I think right now, for the time being, we all know MJF is not done with Adam Cole. Uh, he's certainly not done with CM Punk. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I was asked on the show to predict who I think MJF may lose the title to. I may, have, I may have done a prediction like this before, but I don't remember. But now, part of me believes that it's going to be CM Punk, because again... As I said, the whole issue between CM Punk and MJF, it's not over. And it has to be finished. But I'm sure I've said this, we just have to wait until the time is right. So the match between Tanahashi and MJF, well, definitely a match though, because MJF certainly worth the crowd. I mean, a, a match where it goes like that, but you know, the same Tanahashi lose, you know, with the, with the ring. I kind of feel like it probably would have been better if MJF had won cleanly, because... Like the because I I felt I just felt like the match would, would have been better but but MJF being the heel that he is they had him win anyway a heel would do it so by cheating obviously but 
you know, but that, that's how it goes. But I, I really honestly do believe MJF, I think, should have I, I honestly won cleanly, but but not by submission. Because, you know, that Iron Man match with, with Brian Danielson, I mean, the fact that Daniel Bryanson submitted, you know, in overtime, I mean, I, I felt that that was, that was completely unnecessary. But I honestly believe that M MJF should have won cleanly. So then we get to CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima. Well, we all know, well, from what I first thing to point out is CM Punk was actually being heavily booed, you know. And of course, CM Punk, uh, didn't really, uh, I mean, honestly, it kind of seemed to be that CM Punk uh, clearly liked it, so. So, so uh, honestly, so right now, I, I'm, I'm really thinking, is CM Punk a babyface or a heel? I would imagine right now he's actually in the middle, and I, would and I, I believe, if I'm correct, that the term is he's a tweener. So... But there was actually, I think at one point, there was actually a CM Punk champ, but then the booze, you know, basically overwhelmingly took over. But, the, you know, the fact that at one point when Kojima countered the go-to-sleep, I think, twice, and then it was finally, it was finally, he finally, CM Punk was able to finally get it and then get the win. So CM Punk is moving on. I mean, I would imagine right now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if CM Punk ended up winning the Owen Hart, the Men's Owen Hart Cup Tournament, so... Um, but the, the match itself really, um, certainly, you know, you know, certainly not bad at all. You know, any match could always, you know, there's always time where we'll say the match could have gone better, but I can't say that it was bad, but, but BB, uh, Bleacher Report, you know, graded that what match would be, but, but the way the match kind of went, like, it's, 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 it's interesting how at one point CM Punk applied the Anaconda Vice, but Kojima was able to escape. And then, you know, of course, and again, he met, he countered the go to sleep twice. So, this is one of those matches that that's just a thriller, a thriller with both guys literally like escaping a defeat, but then one guy, you know, ends up, you know, you know, emerging victorious. I mean, this is one of those matches that you know it has to go like this. It's it's one of those thrillers, but you know, but it really just basically it it really gives you the chance to witness, you know, just pure grade A professional wrestling. I mean, you see two guys work a match to the best of their ability. And you see how how one guy's being so heavily booed, but he's like he's taking it in. He's like he likes it. He's not it's not bothering him at all. And and then he and he ends up winning. So he can basically tell the crowd, Haha, you booed me, and now look at me, I'm the winner in your face. So, oh man, it, it, yeah. Even the way the way Punk was just selling the match as well. I mean, you know, you, you could just tell Punk was just. We see we see Maxwell Jacob Friedman. We see MJF working the crowd. We you know CM Punk, you know, does the exact same thing. And and wrestlers have to work the crowd. You no, know, if they're if you're being heavily booed, then of course you want to work the crowd even more. You want to make them boo you even more. Like the crowd wants to work you, but you know what? You got to work them as well. Like you got to kind of react and kind of like you know work with the crowd as well. And and, and I feel like that's what CM Punk did. That's honestly what CM Punk did. But now we get to all oh, this match. Oh, I swear to you, when people say that Orange Cassidy is underrated, I mean honestly, Orange Cassidy has got to be the most criminally underrated professional wrestler I have ever seen. And God knows how many wrestlers I've described as being massively underrated. I think Orange Cassidy is officially has got to be the most underrated professional wrestler in history, and I do mean in history. I mean, this, for me, this goes more more underrated than Owen Hart, more underrated than Gangrel, 
Crash Holly, and all these other wrestlers that I've described as underrated, but, you know, and Orange Cassidy being the AEW International Champion, you know, and him defending the title in a fatal four-way dance. Ugh, man. I, I, I'm telling you, Orange Cassidy's just... This dude just goes far, further than far and beyond to just simply not only entertain the crowd, but to put on one hell of a match. I mean, the dude can wrestle. The dude can work around the ring. The dude can do a lot of great, unique things that you don't see in, in WWE. I mean, this match was great at an A-. An A-. minus, and for, B, and for Bleacher Report, I mean, it, it's hard enough to actually get an A. It's, sometimes, some people would say it's impossible. But this match, you know, definitely being a worthy candidate for being the match of the freaking pay-per-view, I mean, it certainly gives the biscuit. It certainly basically gives it a run for, the, for its money. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But I would imagine what was named the match of the the match of the show had to be Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, but which we'll get to. But honestly, this match right there just an absolute all around thriller and oh man, oh. I mean, what, what what ended up happening after the match as well? It's just, <laughs> oh boy. Again, you know, so right now I'm I'm at a loss for words for words right now because just how how this match is sometimes. But man, you 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 look at it and it's it, it's just unbelievable. And Orange Cassidy, you know, at, at this point, you know, how long he's been champion? He's been champion since October. You know, champion for 256 days. You know, now, now you're starting to imagine you know, how much longer will uh, Tony Khan, you know, keep the belt on him. I mean, I, I think right now, honestly, with the way things are going, you know, Orange Cassidy, you, you know, you, you, I, I think, honestly, you might as well keep the belt on him longer, but keep having him feature in these kinds of matches because, you know, Orange Cassidy is well over with the fans. you you, you got to keep him over as well. So, I mean, the crowd w w was so into it. I mean, every single second of the match, I mean, the crowd was just into it. I mean... This is why I'm just waiting for a chance to I mean these are all, all I've seen from highlights, but you know I, I I can honestly tell you based on how things went, I mean if I was watching the show and this particular match, I would have just I would not even have gotten up. I would have not have taken my eyes off the T V screen. Even if I'm thirsty or if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm I'm not I'm not moving. Because I don't do not want to miss any single second of this action. Because every single segment of this match, you know, is worth remembering, and and I'm sure everybody, everybody that saw this match, they're gonna be they're gonna remember it so well. They're gonna be talking about this for a very very long time. Let me tell you. So, I mean, all four all, all four of these brilliant competitors. I mean, they did they did their part, and man, oh man, you know, and of course you you mentioned one one of the talents. Um, Daniel Garcia, who of course is a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Oh man, you're 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 really just seeing like you know how, how he's just you know you know priding himself and the way he's carrying himself you know out there you know again everything we saw from those competitors I mean it was it was just absolutely brilliant so that's all I can say so. Next one was Sonata versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Now, obviously, the highlight of this particular thing is what happened after the match, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I saw this coming. I, I really did. I'd be lying to you if I said that, that I'm surprised about what happened with with Jungle Boy. 
Now, this was a match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, so, you know, seeing um, the, the New Japan, you know, title, you know, just be, be on, on the line right now. Uh, man, you know, and seeing Jungle Boy, you know, a challenge for it, so, you know, I think, you know, I think Jungle Boy, you, you talk about somebody who's all, already so massively underrated, I mean, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is also in, the, in this category as well, so, it's hard to basically, like, again, I mean, the match was about 11 minutes, so, and I think, I think honestly, the way the match finished, I mean, people were surprised of how the match finished. I mean, I think especially because it was with that moonsault from Sonata. But it, it, it kind of makes you feel like this should, it should have ended that way. But at the same time, Jungle Boy losing is no surprise. I think basically it's just the way the match went. I kind of feel like maybe the match probably should have been about, about four, about four minutes, three, four minutes, uh, more, I think the match probably should have been about 15 minutes, honestly, but the match itself, the physicality, you know, those chops, I mean, I mean, Jungle Boy is, you know, he's, he's, he's one tough dude, I mean, let's be honest, he's not the, certainly not, not the biggest guy, but hey, he's one tough son of a gun, let me tell you, um, I mean, Jungle Boy at one point even used Sonata's own signature hold against him, so... You know, sometimes, sometimes you see baby faces do that, but sometimes when a baby face is teasing a heel turn, he's going to steal his opponent's finisher move and try to use it to get the win, but then it, it, it backfired. But man, after that, when Jungle Boy Jack Perry turned on his partner, Hook, and attacked him, you know, with the... Oh, boy. I mean, the crowd, I mean, the crowd reacted, so... And of course, you know, Renee Paquette, you know, backstage as Jungle Boy's walking backstage, she tries to get a word and Jungle Boy's not having, having any of it. And of course, AEW recently advertised that Jungle Boy is obviously going to explain his actions. So, you know, it's interesting. You have Luchasaurus who's doing a program with Christian who's, who recently became the TNT champion. You know, I, I told myself this, like, you know, if Luchasaurus is healed, then, you know, it, it would only be a matter of time until Jungle Boy turns healed. And now people are already asking me, like, are, are we going to see Jungle Boy, you know, join forces with Christian and Luchasaurus? I mean, maybe. I mean, I'll never forget that that's, that that cage match between Jungle Boy and, uh, and Christian with one of the greatest steel cage matches I've ever seen. But I think for the time being, Jungle Boy clearly is going to go is going to go in a feud with Hook. And I imagine Hook's tie, FTW title, Jungle Boy is going to challenge him for it. So I'll have to see how, how things go, but. So for the time being, I, I, I'm basically looking forward to see what Jungle Boy says in his promo. So, but until then, I mean, it's clearly obvious he's going to be working a program with, with Hook. But now we get to Team Elite versus Team Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, man. And Eddie, Eddie Kingston, you know, join, joining forces with the Elite. <laughs> Let me tell you. After all the times I've said that Chris Jericho is my hero, Chris Jericho is my hero. But Eddie Kingston is also my hero. And I, bro I broke the story before. I'm not even in that, that story now. But it was great to see Eddie Kingston again. I believe this was actually Eddie Kingston's first match. I believe since... Well, it's been quite... It, it's, been a, it, it's been a... It's been a minute. I think because, you know... Recently, Kenny... Kenny uh, excuse me. Eddie Kingston had been out because he had hernia surgery. Um... 
But yeah, because it, when he worked that match with uh, Claudio Castagnoli, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the, the specific details. So, uh, but, but I mean, even this match got an A minus as well. So, so it's good that you know already we have like two matches you know that have reached the category of A as far as the grade goes. But, uh, but but this particular match, you know. The elite, you know, the elite actually ended up taking the win, you know, but, but seeing, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club, you know, you got everybody right, right there, you know, you know, you're seeing, you know, Moxley, Wheeler, Utah, and Claudio, you know, alongside uh, Konosuke, Takeshita, and Shota Yumino, so, I mean, this was a 10-man tag team match, so, you know, you got six-man tag match, you got eight-man tag match, you know what? Might as well make it better. Why not add a 10-man tag match, you know, to the show as well? And that particular match gets an A-. And, you know, for me, the fact that Eddie Kingston was part of it, it, it makes me happy. So, oh, man. And, of course, the match being about 21 and a half minutes, you know, it kind of feel like, you know, that, that's the way the match should have gone. But now that I'm looking at it right now, um, I'm trying to figure out exactly how, you know, when Eddie Kingston... Um, because I know that he had he had suffered the injury. I think. Uh, well, I'm not sure when he had suffered the injury, but but I know that this was the first time we had seen him in action since he challenged uh, Claudio, you know, for the title. So I'll never forget on March 2nd uh, when he cha when he challenged uh, he challenged Claudio for the title for the Ring of Honor World Championship at Supercard of Honor. And that took place March 31st. So basically, yeah. So where he lost. So. So I think this was actually the first time since March 31st that we had seen Eddie Kingston because again he had hernia surgery. But, uh, but, but the way th th this particular match goes, <coughs> excuse me. And of course, Don Callis, of course, was at ringside. You know, at, at Takashita's side as well. So, kind of, uh, uh, I just love that you, know, you see at the beginning you see Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli start off the match because you know of course it, it just had to it had to be that way. So. But you know, then, then you see you know Kingston and Moxley you know fighting as well. I mean, all all the chaos around the ring. I mean, when you have a ten man tag, of course the chaos is gonna spill all over the place. So, but man, you know, it's just the way the way things ended. You know, the way that things ended. You know, uh, of course, you know Eddie Kingston along with Tomohiro Ishii also. Uh, Join, join, joining in the mix as well. I mean, I think it was Ishii that actually got the pin, you know, for his team. He pinned uh, Eula after that brain buster, so. <laughs> and I think at the match, you know, even Eddie Kingston ended up arguing. I think, you know, there was a little bit of a thing with the elite, but he walked to the back without incident, so. So now we're starting to think, I mean, uh, what's going to be going on with Eddie Kingston and uh, and the Elite based on, on the end. And somebody's already saying to me that Eddie, King, Eddie Kingston, you know, could be headed towards an, another heel turn. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But um, but, but I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, the war between the Elite and, and the, the Blackpool Combat Club. Sometimes, sometimes you ask yourself to basically see, you know, like, to see you know, where things go moving forward. But... Uh, Man, man, oh man, oh man! You just one hell of a match. I mean, there's a re there's a reason why. I mean, I can go on and I can go on about it, but really, I get straight to the point. But this particular match, I mean, it, it went it, it went the way a good and unique ten man tag match would go. I mean, all sides, the whole everybody fighting, all the chaos and man.
I mean, every rest, every wrestler had a moment. I, I think that's the highlight. Every single wrestler had at least one moment. And maybe that's why the match got uh, got graded an A minus. But but then we get to Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale. Well, I mean, we we we've seen that many many times already. And speaking of uh, Willow Nightingale, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget when I was in Tampa in 2021. And, and I when I watched Willow Nightingale work, I mean Willow Nightingale is just absolutely amazing. I mean, you know she's actually she's all, she's part of AEW, she, but she's also uh, performing uh, with New Japan. I mean she's actually the inaugural strong women's champion, you know, for for New Japan. So so Willow Nightingale is doing absolutely great, and she's actually had you no know, she's actually been having a feud with the Outcasts, you know, for a while. You know, I'll never forget. I mean, the day that Tony Storm and Soraya turned heel, I mean it was in a match against uh, Willow Nightingale when Tony Storm. You know, grabbed hold of the, you know, gained the leverage, you know, illegal leverage, you know, through grabbing the tights. So, it, it's not surprising that Tony Storm, you know, got the win. So, but it was good to see a champion versus champion kind of match. You know, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Women's Champion versus the AEW Women's World Champion. So, and of course, the Outcasts get involved. You know, they they end up getting kicked out of the match. But, oh boy, I mean. At the end of the day, as far as the outcasts go, I mean, you know, honestly, I'm happy because, you know, I said to myself, you know, when they turned Ruby Soho heel, I said that they're maybe finally looking to do something right with Ruby Soho, and I think that's been the case, so. So you, you can really hit, you, you can really see that AEW management is really building the outcasts, and, you know, and you, you, you got to take things to the next level, so. But, of course, you know, with the interference like that, the outcasts always getting involved, so. You know, I think honestly, I think one one of the hiccups from this is you you want to see like Tony Storm, you know, like get a clean win, but of course, you know, the heels, it's just always uh, it's always basically the way how it goes. But I think that would be the only complaint is I kind of feel like the the way the match should have been ended on on a clean basis, but uh, but you know, honestly, uh, you know, it 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 is what it is. But you know, again, you know, I kind of feel like you know Willow Nightingale. And, and the and the uh, excuse me the outcasts uh, we're definitely we're definitely not done with that but uh, moving on now we get to Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey oh yeah and, and, and I gotta mention the, this match was 40 minutes well honestly precisely it was 39 minutes and 45 seconds but uh, rounding it yeah a 40 minute match now. Not long ago at Wrestle Kingdom 17, Will Osprey lost the IWGP United States Championship to Kenny Omega. And their entrance, I mean, their entrances within itself was was unique. And of course, Kenny Omega was performing in his home country. And of course, the match they had back <coughs> in January 4th, you know, as great as that match was, you know, you you just, you just honestly. You always want to basically make sure that this match ends up being better than the, pre than the previous one. Because, of course, as we know, in January 4th at Wrestle Kingdom in Tokyo, Kenny Omega beat Ospreay for the championship. So, and Will Ospreay at that point, you know, I, I had basically been the champion, I think, for the fourth time. He had won the title at the uh, in Osaka back in June of, the, of last year. So, so now that you're, you're looking at it, I mean... The fact that the match that the previous encounter you know stole the show, I mean, they only they only just wanted to make it even better. 
I always say that Will Ospreay is such a brilliant, unique, one-of-a-kind wrestler. You can just tell that any great match that he has, he's always determined to even make to make the next one even better. That right there is the art of professional wrestling. Will Ospreay is a freaking artist in the ring, man. Will Ospreay, honestly, you watch this guy wrestle. This is something that you want to tell your friends. I mean, even your friends that are not even wrestling fans. This is something you want to tell them. And again, you know, right now, I'm, I'm trying to fight the frustration that I, that I was able to see the actual show because, again, I was watching highlights. Of course, Callis ends up being in a match as well because, you know, the whole thing, you know, Don Callis, uh, <laughs> you know, the whole thing, you know, ever since he turned on Kenny Omega, <clears throat> we're really going to see, you know, Don Callis just caused even more, uh, caused Kenny Omega even more, even more problems, so... But, of course, you know, Callis ended up being uh, ejected from the ring. And and the way you see it, the, the way you see it, um, you know, and, and speaking of uh, uh, Osprey, you know, he, uh, him being the the, uni the leader of the United Empire, you know, a couple of guys at the United Empire actually worked a match in the pre-show. Uh, they actually lost uh, to, um, to Los Ingobernables de Japón. I mean, I hope I didn't butcher that, but Jeff Cobb, Cal Fletcher, and TJ Perkins uh, all worked that match, you know, a six-man tag match. So, so of course, you know, Will Osprey was determined to actually at least put his side on, on one winning end. So, but man, but the way the way I mean, the fact that this match went 40 minutes, oh man. I mean. Again, you know, I'm I'm just basically losing my train my train of thought. I mean, my ability to speak because just how how difficult it is to explain, you know, just in such a unique way of how this match went. Because this match to totally understand how it went is you just have to see it. You have to see it, and man, all all the times that these wrestlers just work their ways, you know, out of like situations. I mean, both wrestlers were. We're, we're a bloody mess at one point. And at one point when... When Will Ospreay used a screwdriver to uh, to escape Kenny Omega's one-winged angel... Oh, man. The way... I mean... and then He broke out of it and then hit the Stormbreaker, but, you know... But, did, but didn't get the win, but... But Will Ospreay, you know, being the heel, the, the way he did it, it's just, you know, at one point, when when actually, when when Omega hit the one-winged one angel on Ospreay, and then Ospreay, you know, kicked out and got a massive pop out of it, man, and then after that, you know, one other near fall, man, the match was just thrilling moments after thrilling moments. It's like these wrestlers just did not want to stop, but they knew they had to go so far that it had to wait at one point for the finish to be just right, and that's exactly what they did. There is a reason right there that Bleacher Report graded this match grade A A+. I saw the highlights. As many highlights as I could on this match particularly. 
this match truly has to be like because I know if I get a chance to watch the whole match, I can already tell that this is going to be probably the greatest match I have ever seen, ever. And this might not be right for me to say, but I'm sorry, but when you have two brilliant, unique wrestlers like Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay working a match like that. <sighs> I mean, the fact that the, the crowd was chanting before the match even started. Oh. <laughs> the fact that <laughs> at one point Osprey even like disrespected the Canadian flag, man. You know, Osprey, you know, doing you know, the typical heel stuff. So, oh man. And the way Osprey, you know, got color when Omega was. I mean, well, the way uh, Osprey was slamming Omega's head into the announce table, man. I mean, these two guys just went to... These guys went to absolute war in the match and disappoint. But speaking of another match that, uh, well... Uh, Sting, Darby Allin, and Tatsuya Naito versus Jericho, Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. Oh, man... I'll never, you know, you know, based on what I've read, you know, and from the highlights as well, <clears throat> you know, when Sting came into the match, Jericho wanted in. This was basically a little nostalgic moment. These two stars from WCW go ho go toe to toe. The Stinger versus Chris Jericho. Oh boy. Oh, and, and that that was just the way the brawling you know really started. So, and and it's just interesting. Not surprisingly, <clears throat> the crowd was actually singing. You know, of course they were singing Judas. So of course, is Jericho's you know theme music. And of course, Kaiser Ninare. Man, you know it was actually Guevara and Naito that started the match, and you know of course the Spanish God. Man. You know, everybody, you know, sometimes I'm still feeling like it's, if Sammy Guevara is headed towards a, another face turn, I mean, I think it probably will because, I, I, because I'm still kind of feeling like in, in the future we're, we're going to see matches between Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho with Guevara as the face and Jericho as the heel. But we'll have to see how, we'll have to see when that happens when I before I talk about it. But you know, it's interesting that this match was after the Kenny Omega versus uh, versus the Will Ospreay you know thriller. But this match, you know, I'll never forget, you know, at one point when when Sammy Guevara performed, you know, that movie, you know, and put Sting through a table. I mean, Sting at this point of his life and career is still taking those dangerous bumps. I mean, Sting has still got it, but... Now, this match is obviously not going to be, not in the category of, of match of the night, or certainly not match of the year, but... It's definitely not a show-stealing match as well, but this match is still respectable. Now... The fact that Naito pinned Suzuki, uh, you know, for the match uh, to end the match, it doesn't surprise me because I kind of feel like that—that's the way—that's the way clearly it should go. But man, I really honestly like this this match. While it might not be the show stealer or not like in a category of match of the night or match of the year, I feel like this match was very good. Certainly could have been better, but still, I, I can honestly say that. Based on what I saw from the highlights, the match itself was uh, certainly respectable. But again, to get the full to get the full experience, and you know, unfortunately, it was would be for me to watch the entire show. But but I think I saw enough of it. So 
Oh, man. Man. Yeah, the fact that at one point, the chant, they, they were chanting murderous grandpa, and those chants were, were, were for, for Suzuki. Oh, man. And, and, and seeing Darby Allen, I mean, man. I always, like, you know, I, I continue to say that the whole thing with Darby Allen and Sting is just one of the greatest things ever, and, you know, it's definitely good for Darby Allen, but... Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. One hell of, uh, one hell of a six-man tag match, and, again, you know, seeing Chris Jericho and Sting in the ring... I want to see Chris Jericho and Sting go one-on-one. -on -one. Huh. I gotta tell you, I gotta see them go one-on-one. -on -one. Now we are at the main event. Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. Oh, man. And, well, <clears throat> I should have mentioned, speaking of Brian Danielson, I saw that he actually, uh, well, he said that there was actually an injury that came up during the match, although I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly where, uh, what to say about it, but I'm, I'm kind of looking to see if it's actually been confirmed. Yeah, he actually has been injured. Okay, so according to Wrestling Inc., he suffered a, fra a fractured forearm, and Brian Danielson, as a result, is out for six to eight weeks. So, man, that's uh, it, it's rather it's it's rather unfortunate, and, and especially you know the fact that well. The, the fact that Brian Danielson revealed that this happened, he, he revealed in, in, in the media scrum after that, that he suffered a fractured forearm in a, quote, freak, freak accident. And this was when Okada gave him a simple elbow drop, and this was actually 10 minutes, with 10 minutes left in the match, so, man. So now, now that he's out for six to eight weeks, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, at, at least, at least they were able to have, you know, the great match, so, fans were in it, I mean, chanting, this is awesome, I mean, it's good to see Daniel, excuse me, Brian Danielson just be be himself, like be the American Dragon. I mean, this match right here is something that we, we never got to see in WWE. I mean, Daniel Bryan had many great Daniel Bryan. Okay, well he was Daniel Bryan in WWE, but Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan had great matches in, in WWE, but but this match right here, th this is where we see the true Brian Danielson. This is where we see the true American Dragon. Ugh. Man, the, and the fact that da that Danielson actually won by submission, man, I never would have expected Okada to actually you know uh, to submit to this, but you know, but the fact that we saw Danielson submit to MJF in that particular match, you know, and the mat this match you know going about twenty eight minutes, you know, you talk about another movie blockbuster like thriller kind of match, I mean. Okada proved once again how tough he is. I mean, Okada, man. And of course, as we know, Okada is the rainmaker, and you know, you know, and never forget you know, those matches. You know, I think the matches that he had with uh, with Jericho about five years ago, when, when Chris Jericho was at, was with New Japan after his run with WWE. So, and at one point when the American when Danielson <coughs> hit the flying knee, but 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 could not make the cover, but then. And then hit 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 the knee again, but this time you know it was uh it was a near fall. And I, I think at one point you know even Danielson said that he was gonna kick Okada's I think head in. I mean, oh, I mean Danielson being the heel that he was, it's just uh, I mean even Danielson had a hard time you know you know basically putting it, putting in uh, the label lock. So 
At least, I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what, what he calls it uh, right now. I mean, it was called the no log and the yes log, you know, during the time in, in WWE, but, man. It was it, it was it was tough. I mean, he, he couldn't he, he couldn't get his his things from moving locked in, and then uh, man, and and, and the, the crowd was just you know at first the crowd was shocked with with how you know the match ended you know with the submission, but you know but then at one point, I mean both guys got a got a round of applause. I mean, man, we talk about Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega being the man of the match. I mean, I I gotta say. It's it's definitely an all-out war between this match and between this match and the Omega and the Omega Osprey match. I mean, which match was the was the match of the night? The way I see it is, you know what? The fact that we had more than one match that is in a category and for nomination for for match of the of the night, that right there is the blessing. I mean, more than one match, you know, got an A plus. I mean, did again this whole show, this whole wrestling card. As I said at the beginning of this episode, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, that's professional wrestling. That's professional wrestling at its best. And I gotta tell you, I, I would not be surprised if there's a rematch in this. There's, there's gotta be. Because, you know, the fact that Okada taps out like this, I mean, it would be bad for Manchester to end it on this kind of note. They have to put a rematch, but again, it's gotta be at the right time. So I think that Basically, so that now that because uh, Danielson is injured, I mean, it, it's unclear when the match uh, will take place. But like I said, I mean, it's it's clearly obvious that yeah, there's definitely gonna have to be a rematch. And and quite frankly, when it happens, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be excited for it. I wouldn't even be surprised if the rematch took place in Japan. I, I think honestly, I, I think it should. It it should take place in Japan. If it takes place in J- in Japan, then Okada Okada can actually t- take the win. And if but with, and with the uh, with, with the series tied at one uh, one win apiece, you know what? A third rematch because basically this has to be best of three, best of three. And if the other and if the if the next match is great, okay, and then the match after that when it's tied at one, if that match ends up being even better, you know what? Why not make it a best of five? If the matches continue to be so great, best of seven. Why not? There's always ideas that can be formed. Based on the outcome of storylines and matches, I mean, let's not rush. But right now, we need Daniel. We need Brian Danielson to, you know, get healthy again. You know, like this again, a fractured forearm. But man, this match was brutal, technical. I mean, this fit the style of, of, of the fighting style of both guys, Brian Danielson and Okada. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! And and, and the fact that oh I mean Okada you, you know you see how he is you know the rain the rainmaker you, you know I'll never forget that, that match he had with Jericho when Jericho was the painmaker you know you, when Jericho tells a story saying Okada's the rainmaker so I'm the painmaker I mean o, Okada's just man I mean I, I'm telling you New Japan Pro Wrestling is just one hell of a promotion I mean ja- Japanese professional wrestlers are as tough as they come, but they are so brilliantly unique. I mean, the Japanese strong style, the style of professional wrestling that is produced in Japan is just absolutely incredible. And when you see New Japan work with AEW, my God, it's exciting. This match right there, this particular wrestling show, 
if I had I been there in person to see this whole thing, as I walk out of the arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I would be in tears because I witnessed something absolutely amazing. This is something that I want to tell all my pro wrestling fans, friends that all my pro wrestling friends that are fans, all my friends that are fans of professional wrestling. Like this is something you want to tell them because I was there. Man, see again, this as I, as I said at the beginning of this episode, this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I call professional wrestling. AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Forbidden Door 2023, one hell of a show. And even though I only saw the highlights, I saw extensive highlights, still, I got a great experience out of it. And my God, I'm just basically hungry to see the entire show. <gasps> my God, this was just absolutely amazing. Man, man, oh man, oh man, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just good to see Brian Danielson be, be his absolute self. Like, you see a different, I mean, you don't see, you don't see the Daniel Bryan we saw in WWE. I mean, we saw, we see the American Dragon here. We see Brian Danielson be the man that he was always meant to be in professional wrestling. Brian Danielson, Okada, I absolutely applaud you for giving me one hell of a match. AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I applaud you for producing one hell of a show. Again, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is what I call professional wrestling. Forbidden Door 2023, that right there was unique professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find Ringside Chaos on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. So please do me a favor, hit the subscribe button and be sure to hit the notification bell. That way, I know for sure that you will not be missing out on any exciting upcoming content for Ringside Chaos. Remember, Ringside Chaos is the show for all of you out there that love professional wrestling. So if you know somebody that loves professional wrestling and they are looking for a great pro wrestling podcast, Ringside Chaos is the show for them. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen, and God Bless.